0: Good to be at our Father's house, hey, amen. I have been looking for an opportunity to just escape, get away, and uh, get down here for a Sunday service. Y'all have got such a awesome uh, uh, exposure online. I'm able to pull up some of the videos and uh, hear a little bit of Odie preaching, hear the worship, and I've been wanting to come and just visit on a Sunday, but it seemed like I'm always tied up. I'm always preaching. Whenever anybody books me, they always want me on Sunday. So every Sunday I've been tied up, and then pastor got a hold of me just a few months ago and wanted to know when I'd be available on a Sunday, and I just happened to have this Sunday open. So I am so glad to be here. Did y'all enjoy that worship today? How many felt the presence of God? I mean, that was just (laughs) phenomenal. What a worship team. I mean, it's like Odie, you're, you're like the Stephen Furtick of southeastern Kentucky. Anybody know who Stephen Furtick is? I mean, he's, he's still, I mean, he was my youth leader back 20-some years ago. He still looks just like he did. He buff, you know, the, the cool preacher. This is the thing about Pastor Odie, because uh, I grew up under my grandfather, Harley Hensley, Ernest Brock. That was my idea of what a preacher was, and it wasn't until Odie was my youth pastor, that I realized that being a preacher could be cool, that you could be cool and that you could be a preacher. And, and I'm serious. I mean, he had such an impact on me. It was surreal just up here listening to him. He wasn't even preaching, but just inviting the presence of God. I remember sitting in that old Mola Sanctuary and listening to Pastor Odie teach and just what an inspiration that he was to me. I knew that God had called me to preach. But when I saw Odie and I listened to Odie, I was sitting back there, and in my mind, I'm thinking, Lord, that's what I want to be that's that's <laughs> If I can get my papa and Harley Hensley and those guys anointing, and if I can put it together with that, then I've got something. So you talk about being an inspiration. you was I kid you not I mean it was just and and I mean, this guy has got a gym in town, he's got a physical gym in town, and then he's got a spiritual gym over here in Newtown, amen, so, I mean, this church has got it going on, praise God, and I am just so honored to be uh, a guest here today. And I feel like I'm at home because I look over here and see Odie and Judy and James and Jill, see Liz and Donnie and just Alan I saw back there and Paul, people that I've known, basically Curtis and Stephanie. I mean, people I've known my whole life. I mean, I just feel like I'm at home. So if it's all right with you, I'm just going to make myself at home. Is that cool? Amen. We're going to get right into the word of God. But real quick, uh, Ashley, just get up and come up here since the baby's awake. Just come, come. Uh, I know you got them new heels. She's been up there with Todd Hoskins' wife and daughters, and she saw them big heels they were wearing. So she ordered her some, some of them heels. So she's still learning how to run around and them things. But, I mean, uh, not pregnant anymore. yeah, there you go. <laughs> Praise God. But in case y'all don't know what a miracle looks like, right here is a miracle because just three months ago, this baby had two strokes. Two blood clots in his body was having one seizure after the other. At Vanderbilt University, the top neonatal hospital in the country, gave us no hope. And God brought him out. As you can see, he is alive. He is alert. He is well. And I had the top doctor at Vanderbilt University walk in as they pulled off the, the ventilator and, and the brain machines and all that kind of stuff. We saw that happen. This didn't happen in a matter of weeks and months, Odies. This happened in a matter of hours. They came pulling this stuff off. The doctor comes in and and he looks at us and says, I can't explain what happened. I don't understand what happened. And it took me back as I was standing there, standing by my papa's side when God raised my grandmother, Thelma Carter. Some of y'all remember that from dead and he said I can't take credit for this well the doctor looked at us told us the same thing said I cannot take credit for what has happened here today I said there's thousands of people across this country that's praying for this baby he said well you need to call them and thank them I said no I'm just going ahead and thanking the one that they was calling on that they was praying to now I got excited man I was I was shouting I was praising God back there in in the uh, in the NICU the neonatal ICU and and he said now now before you get too excited he said calm down he said there's still a long way to go he said he said that arm right there he said the stroke has impacted the area of the brain that controls this arm. And said, not only that, but he's had two blood clots in that arm. Said he'll more than likely never move that arm. And if he does gain some function, he said, it's going to be years of therapy and surgery that his brain will reroute. I said, well, listen, if it don't reroute, God's going to restore. Because something <laughs> is going to rehappen in this deal. And you know what? He said it would be years, Right? I'm not talking weeks. I'm not talking months. We were still at Vanderbilt just three days later. His arm just started moving and just going up and down. We were just there on Friday. They could not believe that that arm is just as strong, if not stronger, than the other arm because we serve a God that is stronger, greater, mightier. Than anything in this world, if you believe it, throw up your hands and give the Lord a shout of praise. Say something, baby. Say something. Come on. Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, she's a preacher right there. Amen. She kind of she she's content to be in the background, but she's giving me sermons all of the time. I mean, she was she was preaching to me on the way to Nashville the other day. She said. uh she said, some folk need to clear out their GPS. You know, I was trying to pull up Vanderbilt, and there was all these places, you know, in the GPS where I'd preached at, and and she said, you know what? I got a word. said, there's some people that's got too many things in their GPS. Is that what you said? Tell, uh, <laughs> Stand up and tell them the rest of it. It's good. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I'm just so thankful for my wife and for my baby and... uh uh Pastorody was talking about my grandfather. His name's Jensen Thee. That's that's his name. He's named after uh, my grandfather. And I'm I'm so glad to have my armor bearer Lee. He kind of he keeps me in line. Those of you that know me, you know that uh, it's hard for me to keep focus. I would forget my head if it wasn't attached to me. So, God has set the people in my life that keeps me straight. Amen. So I can do what God's called me to do. But are y'all ready for the word of the Lord this morning? Y'all ready for the word? We're going to go to Acts. Of the Apostles, chapter number 12. My papa would say, We're going to Pentecostal headquarters this morning. Amen. Hallelujah. The action book of the Bible. Finally, last night, well, you know, since we got the baby, we we haven't watched many action flicks. So we finally got to watch an action flick last night, and I was so excited. But, uh, you know, one thing about an action flick, an action movie, is that you can't have an action movie without opposition, without something coming against you. And as you look at the book of Acts, it's not just the action book because of the miracles, the signs, the wonders, revival, but we understand in the midst of all the action going on in the book of Acts that there was some opposition, there was some resistance, there was some trouble, and if you're going to do great things for God, you got to understand that it's not always going to be smooth sailing. There's going to be some stuff that's going to press up against you. And we're going to take a look at some of that. This is one of my favorite chapters in the Bible, and I'm so excited to share with you what God's given me. Acts chapter 12 Ask you to stand with me all over the building. If you're able, you have the liberty of your limbs for the reading of God's word. Acts chapter 12. And uh, I could skip down, but... I'm really amazed sometimes at how that scriptures and how the Word of God ties together. And there are some details that in the beginning of a chapter, in the beginning of a story that may seem minute and may seem like they don't mean much, but by the time you get to the end, it's amazing how it's like a puzzle, Kurt. It just, it just fits together. And there's times in my life that I feel like maybe I've got a learning disability because I look back at scriptures that I've preached maybe a hundred times because I may look like a rookie, but I've been preaching 20-some years now. And I may have preached it when I was younger, but then when I go back to it, it's like I see something, Pastor, that I never saw there before. And it's amazing how the puzzle fits together. So we're going to take a look at that this morning. Acts chapter 12. And we're beginning at verse 1, and just for the sake of time, I'm going to skip down and catch the end. But we're going to read the beginning and the end of the story, and then I'll try to pick up some of the middle. But Acts chapter 12, verse 1, when you're there, shout amen. Now about that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church. And he killed James, the brother of John, with a sword. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, he proceeded further to take Peter also. These were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quadrants of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. And Peter therefore was kept in prison, but prayer was made. Somebody shout, prayer was made. I think the word choice here is interesting because I would say prayer was prayed. (laughs) But he said prayer was made as if prayer is something that you make, that you got to put certain ingredients into it for it to work. (laughs) Isn't that interesting? Prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God for him. And when Herod would have brought him forth the same night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers bound with two chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. Behold, the angel of the Lord came upon him. And a light shined in the prison. And he smote Peter. Somebody shout, he smoked Peter. On the side. And raised him up, saying, arise up quickly. And his chains fell off his hands. See, some of you are waiting for chains to break. But sometimes maybe God's waiting for you to rise up. See, we're waiting for God to break the chains, but maybe God's waiting on us to make the first move. He's waiting on us to get up, and then the chains will fall. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm already preaching. Hallelujah. Let's skip down. You know the story. He leads him out and comes to that gate, and the gate opens of its own accord. He goes to the house, and he knocks on the door, and the little maid hears his voice and gets all excited like a kid at Christmas. She runs back in, and nobody believes that he's out there. And Of course, we know that, That God set him free. But Herod don't know this. Most people stop the story around verse 19 or 20. But I'm going to pick up at verse 21. Herod is hot. He is mad. And notice what it says. It says, and upon a set day, Herod, arrayed in royal apparel, sat upon his throne and made an oration unto them. And the people gave a shout saying, it's the voice of a God and not a man. And immediately the angel of the Lord smote him. Somebody say smote him. Isn't that amazing that the angel smote Peter and he got up and his chains fell off? And when he smote Herod, notice what it said. Because he gave not God the glory. That's important. And he was what? Eaten of worms. What a strange thing to get eaten by. Does that, does that sound bizarre to anybody else? He was eaten of worms and gave up the ghosts. So I want to focus in on this, on this part that says, because he gave not God the glory, he was eaten of worms. And my message is very simple. Before you sit down, we're going to pray, but I want you to look over at your neighbor and I want you to tell him, in fact, I want you to ask him a question for me. Ask him, what's eaten you? What's eating you? Herod was eaten of worms. So so just ask somebody, come on, y'all can do better than that. Let I me mean, hear y'all. I'm, I'm an interactive, I'm, I'm a hollerback preacher. I promise my sermons are much more enjoyable if you preach them with me. I promise they are. But just lean over and ask somebody, what's eating you? What's eating you? Amen. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. I thank you. For this awesome church, I thank you for this worship that has just ushered us into the presence of God. I thank you that in my hometown that there is a place where people of all ages can come and can get in your presence and receive what they need. I thank you for this man of God that has been an inspiration to me more than he probably even knows all of my life and throughout my ministry. And God, I pray you'd give me the kind of anointing as I stand in front of your people that makes preaching effective. God, I I pray that it be not hype, that it not be just excitement, but it be the engrafted word of God that's able to save our souls. Let it stick to us. Let us not soon forget what you speak in, this place and I'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for it all in Jesus name God's people said amen you may be seated in the presence of the Lord one more time just high five somebody and ask them say what's eating you what's eating you today what's eating you I think it's interesting that the Bible said that Herod lifted up his hands to vex that word vex my mama would use the word aggravate or agitate to pest, and he is just just nitpicking at the church. He lifts his hand to vex. Notice the word certain of the church, which means that the enemy didn't waste his time and his resources fighting everybody. That he was strategic in his attack. He only came against certain people. Because he understood that if I come against everybody, then I'm going to be wasting my time and my resources because everybody's not productive. Everybody is not doing something. So when he said that he came against certain of the church, he wasn't attacking people that were lukewarm. He wasn't attacking people that were just going through the motions. He was very strategic in his attack. He only went against people that were doing something, that were going somewhere. So that ought to be a sign for somebody that the enemy is coming against you, that you got something worth fighting for, that you're doing something in the kingdom of God. If you're not getting any resistance, if you're not getting an attack, then you need to take some inventory and ask yourself uh, what am I doing uh, for the body of Christ what am I bringing uh, to the house of God uh, cause see the enemy does not waste his time uh, or his resources uh, coming against people that are not doing something uh, that are not productive uh, that are not walking with God I wonder do I have any of the certain of the church uh, in the, am I preaching to the right crowd tonight is there any of the certain uh, the true uh, born again blood? bought, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, uh, people of God in the house that can say, I'm some of them certain ones. I'm certain I'm one of the certain because the enemy is coming against me every which way but loose. And he stretched forth his hand to vex certain of the church, to aggravate, to agitate, just like a pass. I was driving my kids home from school the other day and... And it would have to be blackberry winter when this is going on, like you said, because this wasp comes flying into the car. It didn't sting none of us. But it was just enough to make us uncomfortable the whole way home. I mean, I'm rolling down the windows. I'm rolling back the sunroof. That thing is flying around. My kids are screaming. I'm all over the road, and I'm trying to get this thing out of my car. We got the windows down, and because it's Blackberry winter, I mean, we're just like when I was growing up in the school bus, we're playing uh, Freeze Out. Does anybody remember Freeze Out? of Y'all still play that freeze out. We're playing freeze out. We're freezing cold. We're fanning, you know, we're trying to get that wasp to get out. And that's what the enemy will do. He don't always sting you, but sometimes he just, he just flies around to make you uncomfortable, just, just to keep, get you off kill. And, and he's vexing and he's coming against. And the Bible says that first of all, that he kills James the brother of John, one of the sons of thunder, with the sword. And nowhere does it say that they were praying for James. It must have just been James's time to go, because God allowed him to take him out. But then it says, because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded further. And there we find the devil's fatal flaw. We find the cheek in his armor. Cuz if he would just be content to make us uncomfortable then we would probably let him get by with a lot more than he does. Come on, somebody. But the enemy's greatest flaw, his biggest mistake is he never knows when to quit. He never knows when to back up and to give it up, and he will push you and push you until he backs you into a corner when you say, I have got to do something. I have got to get out of this and this is what happened in Acts 12 the Bible said that the enemy just kept pushing kept proceeding kept going further until finally the church said we've had enough we lost James But we can't lose Peter. We got to have him. So we got to get down to business and they come together and they start praying. See, I'm working on a sermon and I I, I was debating about what I was going to do, but I just feel like giving y'all a little preview. Is that all right? But I was reading in Exodus chapter number five the other day of how that Moses came to set God's people free there in Egypt. And the Bible said that when he showed up, Pharaoh got so mad that he issued an edict. He said, tell the Jews, tell the Hebrews uh, that now not only are they going to have to build the pyramids and build all this stuff, not only are they going to have to do all of this slave work, but I'm not even going to give them bricks no more. They're going to have to go out and pick their own straw to make the bricks with. And I'm not even going to back up and say, well, you can produce less and have less productivity. You're going to have to build just like you was building it, even though you got to make your own bricks and go out and get your own straw. And I was reading that and the Lord just hit me with something, said that was the last straw. That was the last straw. The enemy had pushed them and pushed them and pushed them. And as long as they were uncomfortable, as long as they were having to bear these burdens, they would have just put up with it. They would have just took it. But the Bible said when the enemy said, all right, now you got to get your own straw and put a mandate on them that was unbearable and that was impossible. It was in that moment that they began to cry out to God and God delivered delivered and God moved. I don't know who I'm preaching to right now, but somebody uh, has been in some uncomfortable places. Uh, The enemy has been coming against you, but that last thing that hit you was the last straw. It was the straw that breaks the camel's back. You say, I'm not going to take not one more thing, uh, but I'm going to lift my eyes unto the hills uh, from whence cometh my help. My help uh, comes uh, from the Lord. I wish somebody, if had about five people that right now is on the last straw and said, I'm not going to take not another inch from the devil. I wish you would throw up your hands, lift your voice, and call on the name of your God until he delivers in a mighty way. I'm starting to feel my help coming this morning. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Woo! Glory to God. Whoo. Touch somebody, tell them it's the last straw. It's the last straw. I put up with you taking James, but you ain't going to take Peter. I put up with building your pyramids, but I'm not going to have to take straw and make my own bricks. See, before it was uncomfortable. Now it's unbearable. I can't handle not another thing. You back me in a corner. You push me too far. Like that woman with the issue of blood. She dealt with it as long as she had some money to pay some doctors to go visit, but the Bible said when she ran out of money, ran out of doctors and it grew worse and none better. She came to the last straw. She came to the end of the rope and said, you know what? I hear Jesus is passing by. If it was any other day, I'd wait for him to come knock on my door. But today I've about had enough and if I got to push through the crowd, if I got to crawl on my hands and knees to get a hold of the hem of his garment. If I can but touch the hem of his garment, I know I'll be made whole. See, it's not just passive people. It's not just casual Christians that has that kind of attitude. Sometimes God has got to let the enemy push you into a corner and back you against the wall and put you at your last straw before you'll get serious and passionate and aggressive to go, I wish somebody's on their last straw. Would not be casual, not be passive, but you would let out a praise like you mean to get a hold of God this morning. My God, I wish somebody praised him like you ain't got till next week. Come on, somebody. It's the last straw. Oh. Woo. <laughs> Prodigal son. It was bad when he ran out of money. It was bad when he ran out of friends. It was uncomfortable. Even when they put him in the hog pen, a Jew with an unclean animal hanging out with the pigs, that was bad. But when he would have fain filled his belly with the hus that the swine did eat, when, when what the hogs was eating started looking good to him, the hus, the straw, oh God help me preach, that was the last straw, that was the last straw. He said, I have had enough even my father's servants are living better than I am living. I will arise and go to my father. See, I've been preaching 20 some years and I have never seen anybody show up in a service like this and say, you know what? I just won the lottery. I got millions of dollars. I just bought a Hummer and I just bought a Rolls Royce and a BMW and I got a mansion on the hill indoor swimming pool I've got just the perfect life that I always dreamed and imagined and the only thing missing is Jesus so I'm here uh, to receive Christ cause it's just the only thing missing in my How many's ever seen that happen? Uh, see Jesus is never your first choice. He's always your last chance. Come on somebody. Uh, hey that's the way it always Works. It's always God will allow the enemy to push you back and get you to your last straw when you say, You know what? I'm turning to Him, I'm calling on Him. Can I testify a little bit? And I'm going to get to my message in a minute. But the Bible said uh, that he pushed him in the corner, uh, that he proceeded further, uh, that he kept pushing, kept pushing in my life. When we had Jensen Thie at Middlesbrough hospital, uh, they sent us to UT and we got to UT and at UT, they said, we haven't seen nothing like this. Uh, We don't know what's going on Uh, now at Middlesbrough, I dealt with it because I thought, well, it's something we can handle. It's something we can deal with. We got to UT. I thought, well, maybe they could help him at UT. But when it really hit me is when I had to drive from Knoxville to Nashville when they said there is nothing. I'm not talking about just some small town hospital, but I'm talking about a major hospital in Knoxville, Tennessee said we've never seen nothing like this and we can't handle they're talking about sawing his arm off. Uh, they're talking about he ain't going to make it through the night. They're talking all this crazy stuff. I realize this is the last straw. I can't depend on no doctors. Uh, I can't depend on no surgeons. Uh, I got to call uh, on the one uh, that brought me to the dance. I got to call uh, on the one uh, who I named him after. Call on uh, when the dead was raised. Uh, when the blinded eyes was opened. Uh, the deaf ears was unstopped. And it's when you get to the last straw and you lift your voice and you lift your hands and call on him, that's when he makes a way. If the enemy had any sense, he'd just back off and leave you alone and uncomfortable. But when he pushes you to Well, jump on your feet. That's at your last straw. That's at your wit's end. Throw up your hands, lift your voice, and say enough is enough. I'm not putting up with it. not one more inch, not one more thing. I'm done. I'm finished. I am ready for a change in my life. Good God. Woo. <laughs> my God, I feel the anointing. Hallelujah And the church They was passive They was comfortable Until They took Peter What's it going to take For God to light a fire under you What's it going to take For you to go through To get your eyes off everything else But him And the Bible said the church came together they didn't have no time for no sermons they didn't have no time for no songs they began to pray and notice prayer was made not prayed because how many chefs how many cooks i got in the house knows if you make something there's some ingredients involved you got to put some stuff in there Hebrews chapter 4 verse 2 says the same gospel that was preached unto you was preached unto them, but it didn't profit them because it was not mixed with faith in the ones that hurt. Oh, come on, somebody. You got to mix a little faith in there. God's not moved by your need. He's moved by your faith. I hate to tell you that. I used to think uh, that if you was pitiful enough and if you went through enough, it would get God's attention. But he is not moved by your need. He is moved by your faith. When a man came to Jesus and brought his son, uh, he said, Lord, can you do anything for me? And the Lord said, no, I can't do anything for you. But all things are possible to them. That belief. He said, Lord, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Yeah, He said, I believe for anything, but he's the God of all things. Oh, I'm going to say it again. I said, oh, you can believe for anything, but he is the God of all things. I'm tired of limiting God. I'm tired of placing restrictions on God and just coming to church waiting for just anything. When I serve a God that is able to do all things. I wish you would touched somebody. Say all things are possible. All things. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, I should have just been happy with my baby surviving, but I wasn't happy with that. I said that arm's going to move. And it did move. Oh, yeah. I said that scar's going to heal. And it did heal. And guess what? There's one little thing. His hand is still closed up, but guess what? I know God's going to do that. And I ain't going to be surprised when he does. Because I don't just serve Curtis the God of anything. I serve the God of all things. My God, I wish somebody in this house that dares to believe for all things would jump on your feet, wave your hands, and say, I am past the point of just settling for anything when I serve a God that's able to pay my bills, heal my body, save my family, meet my need, whatever it is. I ain't just looking for one thing, but I'm looking for all things. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How much more will he freely give us oh. oh, all yeah. 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 things? <laughs> yeah. Somebody shout all things. All things. All things. <sighs> Woo! And, and so they begin to pray mixed with faith. And you got to have a little fervency in there too. Because the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. You got to put some fire on that prayer. You got to put some passion on that prayer. When I was younger, I thought that the the louder I got meant the more fire that my prayer has. But I've come to a place that I realize. Some of you may not be able to raise your voice. You may not be able to get up to more than a whisper, but it's not in the volume. It's in the velocity. Come on. Come on, somebody. Yeah. It's not on the outside. It's on the inside. you got to believe that thing. you got to want that thing. There's got to be some passion when you pray, when you call on the Lord. The Bible said that they prayed without ceasing. Most of us, I'd say, y'all want to get out by twelve, but uh, they prayed without. Because this is the last straw. We ain't looking at the watch when we on the last straw. We ain't worried about beating the Baptists to KFC when you on the last straw. And the Bible said that they prayed without ceasing, without stopping. I, I asked the Lord one time, I said, Lord, when you said pray without ceasing, when you said pray and always, do you want me to just walk around praying all the time? And I really didn't get my answer until my car started messing up. And I was driving this old jalopy around and every time I would shut it off, I couldn't get it to restart. So I had to leave my motor running everywhere I went. I'd go pay a bill. I'd go to the grocery store, but I kept my motor running and it hit me when I got in the car. God said, that's how I want you to be. Oh, you go through your life, do your thing but I want your motor always running I want you always in a spirit of prayer, in a spirit of worship, in a spirit of prayer oh yeah when you walk walking through the grocery store hey, just walk in saying Lord, I thank you that I can come in here and lay hands on that little baby in the car and say Lord I thank you for this baby let your hand be upon him sometimes, see I'm still the same John boy that y'all knew, I still got a ADHD. I'm still a little hyper. I can't sleep at night when I know I got to preach the next morning. So I'll get up and I'll walk through my house. I'll slip in my baby's room and I'll just lay hands on them and I'll speak over them. God bless my children. Let your anointing be upon them. I wish I had somebody in this house that's ready to make some prayer and ready to mix up some prayer. That'll be a sweet smelling savor in the nostrils of your God. Several things happened. I'm going to get to my message, and I'm not going to take time in this. But several things happened when they began to make prayer and they made it right. The Bible said, first of all, it said that the enemy's plans were interrupted because he planned on the next day killing Peter. He would have killed him that day, but it was a holiday. (laughs) It was was his own time, Easter is mentioned in the Bible. But it's Easter. He said, Well, I don't want to have a killing on Easter, so we'll wait till tomorrow. And we plan on killing first thing in the morning. And God interrupted the enemy's plans. You know how I pray? Even when I'm not in trouble every day. I walk around interrupting the enemy's plan. When I get up in the morning, I say, "Devil, I know you got some kind of some kind of plot, some kind of plan. You got some wreck, you got some mischief, you got some mess set up for me." And this morning, I interrupt your plans for my life. I wish somebody would do something for me. Will y'all help me preach a little bit? Throw up your hand, everybody, lift your hand right now, and I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say, "Lord, right now." In the name of Jesus, I interrupt the enemy's plans in my life, in my church, in my home, in my family, on my job. In Jesus' name, amen. That's a prayer that what many me believe that you interrupted some plans of the enemy. That you threw a wrench in some demons' plans. Here this morning I wish you a shout Glory <laughs> Woo Hey uh, Interrupted the enemy's plans Secondly They're getting ready to kill Peter in the morning He's laying in there Man I told you I got some ADHD I'd be pacing the jail I'd be rattling the bars It wouldn't be no sleep for me that night But Peter has such a peace. Do you know you can still be in the situation? See, you keep praying thinking that it's going to change the situation. But sometimes before God can change the situation, he's got to change you. He's got to give you a peace that passes all understanding. I'm talking about crazy peace. Peace that don't make no sense. All hell's breaking loose around you. But you ain't crying. You ain't upset. You ain't mad because you've had a talk with Jesus. And you just know that everything's going to be. How many has ever felt that peace? How many needs that peace this morning? And, and, And he's got this crazy peace. And he's asleep angel got to wake him up smites him on the side i mean hits him hard get up wouldn't have to wake me up wouldn't have to tell me twice i'd be ready i'd be ready to blow that joint i'd be ready to get out of there but peter he's half asleep he thinks he's in a dream he's still rubbing his eyes He's, he got all this, my mama called it matter, got all this matter in his eyes. And, he, and the Bible said that he gets up and the chains fall off. See, the chains fall off when you move. You keep waiting for the chains to fall. But it's when you change your position, when you change your posture, and he gets up and he's moving. He don't even know he's in the world, man. He thinks he's in a dream, Judy, and he's going through here and it's dark. There ain't no light. <laughs> But the angel's guiding him. Uh, I said, let me try this side. I said, the angel's guiding him. Because, see, when you pray, when you make a prayer, God will order your steps. He'll send angels to guide you and protect I I wonder how many needs some Holy Ghost guidance, some spiritual guidance in this house. Mm. I was single, man. Before I met Ashley I prayed and this is for some of you single folks in here I prayed I said God slam every door that's not you because I can't afford to make another mistake slam every door I had, I had I had arrangements to meet people one time the whole tunnel shut down I was on my way to meet somebody and, and the whole tunnel was backed up Shut down. I said, I hear you, Lord. I went back to the house. <laughs> I went home. And then, when I wasn't even looking at a church my papa preached in back in the 30s, and then I preached in when I was 15 years old. I showed up one night to preach, and a girl that was about nine or ten years old that heard me preach there when I was 15 was back there in the audience. And it turns out her Grandfather and my grandfather preached together back in the 30s. We didn't meet on Facebook. We didn't meet on Match.com. We didn't even meet on Christian Mingle. God ordered my steps, had me in the right place. I wish somebody right now would throw up your hands and say, God, order my steps. Order my steps into the right job, into the right ministry, to the right person. How many needs that this morning? And so and so he guides him. And I love this. He comes through the two guard posts and walks right through the enemy. How many knows that God can lead you right through the enemy's camp? Right through the devil's ambushments. In fact, Odie, when we praise, we're we're going into enemy territory. See, the devil, he ain't in the bottomless pit yet. The Bible said he's the prince of the power of the what? the air so he dwells up here trying to hinder our prayers hinder our prayers that's why it's a sometimes but you see when we begin to worship when we say the name of Jesus when we begin to praise and when we corporately begin to worship we go right through enemy territory we cross enemy lines and he's got to get out of the way he's got to step aside for us to enter the throne room of hell how many is ready to enter the throne room tonight? How many is ready to cross some enemy line? How many ready for some prayers uh, to reach heaven? Uh, I wish somebody that's ready to cross enemy line would throw up your hands, uh, lift your voice, uh, and say, "I'm going through in the name of Jesus. I am reaching heaven this morning." Amen. Woo! Yes. Uh, and. And then he comes to the iron gate that leads to the city. He ain't got a knock. He ain't got a kick. He ain't got to even bust through that door. It's like coming to Walmart, baby. It just, it just, it just opened of its own accord. The iron gate. That shouldn't have moved. That shouldn't have budged. He didn't have to knock on it. He didn't have to kick it. He didn't have to beat it. Let me tell you something. When you got God with you, you ain't got to beat down doors. You ain't got to knock on doors. Uh, all you got to do is show up at the door, and the door will open. What's this. Up to this point, he's still in the prison. Huh? But he makes one step, and he's in the city. Oh. See, when you're at the door, I don't care how big it is, how ugly it is, how locked it is, you're one step from another dimension. You're one step. I don't know who this is for, but I feel like telling our Father's house in Pineville, Kentucky, that you are one step from reaching this city. You are one step you are one step from another dimension. From a, This ain't even my sermon, but I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost uh, that lets you know uh, you may be standing in front of a big door, uh, but get ready, because uh, the Lord uh, is your doorkeeper. Uh, Odie Carol, and you are one step uh, away uh, from another level, from another dimension. Uh, somebody get on your feet, uh, throw up your hands, uh, and for about 17 Seconds, take a praise break. Yeah. Woo. I know I'm a cameraman's worst nightmare, but I feel the anointing of the Holy Ghost right now. You ain't gotta kick it, you ain't gotta beat it, you ain't gotta bust through it. When you come to it, it's gonna open of its own accord. Uh, if I had time, huh, I'd talk about how the gate to the city opened up its own accord, but the gate to the church, he had to beat on it a while. It's, isn't it amazing how you can reach the city quicker than you can reach the saints? That's a whole other sermon for another day, but he's trying to convince them to open the door and let him in. He's beaten; They hear his voice, but because they can't see him, they don't believe. What is it you're praying for that you may have not seen it yet, but you've heard from God, and faith comes by hearing And hearing by the word of God, we were singing about that cloud, the size of a man. Oh, come on, somebody. He didn't see nothing. He sent the servant down seven times. Eight times if you count the first time, because he sent him seven more times. Eight, the number of new beginnings. He sent him down eight times. Seven times, he didn't see nothing. woo But he didn't cry. He didn't give up. Because you know what? Even though the servant didn't see nothing, Elijah said, What you see don't line up with what I heard. Because I heard the sound of an abundance of rain. So he looked at the servant and said, go back and look again until what you see lines up with what I heard. I wish you'd look at somebody and say, go back and look again. Go back and look again. Tell every negative voice of doubt and unbelief, every demon in hell, every naysayer, tell them to go back and look again until... They told me in Middlesboro, your baby's dying. I said, go back and look again. They told me at UT, your baby's going to die. Go back and look again. They told me at Vanderbilt, he ain't going to make it. I said, go back and look again until what you see on the charts, on the x-rays, lines up with what I heard down in my sanctified Whoa. Hey, I wish you'd touch about seven people and tell them, go back and look again. Oh, we got a lot of empty seats, so somebody going to have to move. Find about seven people. Tell them, go back and look again. Go back and look again until what you see lines up with what I heard. Well, y'all, because y'all waiting for me to get to them worms, ain't you? They finally opened the door. They let Peter in. And Herod is hot. He is mad because Peter slipped through his fingers. So he goes to the city and he gets up and he makes this oration adorned in royal apparel. Man, he's dressed to the hip. I started to wear a suit this morning. I got online, and I seen Odie in jeans, so I thought, well, I'm all right. I'm going to put some jeans on this morning. Seen Justin in his jeans. I said, man, they ain't going to be in their Levi's and me not in mine, so praise God. I wear some nice shoes, but I'm putting my jeans on. Praise God. And, and I mean, he's dressed tonight, man. He's got a full suit and tie, man. Got his crown on. He's looking sharp. And he, he makes this oration, and, and they're talking about this is the voice of God. And not a man, he sounds good, he looks good, but they don't know what's going on on the inside. And the Bible said that because he gave not God the glory, the angel smote him. Watch it, smote Peter, and the chains fell off, and he got up, and he smote Herod, and he was eating alive. So you got a choice this morning. God is tapping you on the shoulder. He's smiting you on the side. Either you're going to rise up and let your chains fall off. Or you're going to let the enemy eat you alive. Because here's the part that got me. If I was going to make a show and a spectacle of a Herod. Who's been attacking all these Christians. If I'm going to mess him up. I would find something better than worms, man. I'd go big. I'd do like you know when 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 them kids was was mocking the prophet and that bald head, and I'd send some she bears out of the mountain. You know, I'd send lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my! I know I'm dating myself. Lions, tigers, and bears. Oh my! I'd send a tiger and a lion and a bear to just just ravage this guy. But see, I'm not God. God's so much smarter than me because he mirrors what's going on in the spirit, in the natural. Because the enemy never just eats you up one bite. He never just rips you apart in a matter of moments. And he always does it in a place that's unseen. See, see the tiger, the bear, the lion would have ate him from the, outside in but the worms eat him from the inside out so my question this morning I know it took me a little while to get there but what's eating you what's eating you because this thing is not it's not just chewing him up in a matter of minute but it's just nibbling him to death little by little just little things just just a little at a time just eating you alive. Grab somebody, ask them, what's eating you? What's eating you? And I, I thought, what kind of worm is it? And I got, I got to studying, and I'm going I'm to move through this real, real fast. I, I see Judy over here saying, I don't know. I'm getting ready to tell y'all. Because I found out in the book of Joel, chapter 2, there's a few kinds of worms in the Bible. There's one called the, called the canker worm. How many's heard of the canker worm? How many's ever seen a canker worm? Nobody. You know why? Because there ain't many of them around no more. But I'll get to that in a minute. The canker worm, the way it kills its prey, it's so small. It can't catch nothing. It's so slow. It can't get a hold of nothing. So it hangs out in the top of a tree and it emits this sticky substance that causes its prey, Justin, to get to get stuck so thereby because its prey is stuck it can't move it can't get away so he can just take his time eating his prey a little at a time because his prey can't can't get nowhere Curtis because it's because it's stuck stuck in a memory Stuck in a past event. Stuck in something somebody did to you. Won't won't get involved in this church because you got hurt at the last church. And even though you left the premises, uh, you're still stuck in the process. Can't give your all to this man or this woman because the last one hurts you and you're stuck and the caker worm is eating you alive because of some past event, some past hurt that you keep reliving every moment. It's like you're stuck in Groundhog Day and you can't get past it. You can't get over it and you look real good in your Sunday best like Herod up in here. In your royal apparel, you talk all the talk you praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And nobody can see the worm on the inside side that is eating you alive what's eating you mm-hmm. Woo. and you said you had never seen no canker worms right you know why because they had an infestation of them in america in the 1800s and they got a hold of paris flants and they brought i brought this ship over with this special kind of bird that had never been seen in america To get rid of the canker worm. You know what that bird was called? Anybody know? A sparrow. I mean, seen a sparrow? You can't walk outside without seeing a sparrow. And they weren't even here, but they brought them over to take care of the canker worms. And they reproduce, and they reproduce, and they reproduce until they're everywhere you look. And guess what? You can't find a canker worm because the sparrow ate them all, extinct them, wiped them off the face. Uh, somebody said, that's cute. That's a real good story. Thanks for sharing it. But I think about an old song that my mamma used to sing. Goes a little something like this. I sing because I'm happy. Oh, I see because I'm free. His eye is on the Watching over me. I'm almost done preaching, but I wish somebody let the sparrow rise up in you. Let the, oh Lord, I might be stuck in something that happened. But when Gio starts singing, receive the rain like she was a minute. Something begins to happen. and. Oh come on as sparrow starts eating the canker worm and i start getting i want a many ready to get loose this morning How many is ready to be free? This morning, somebody in this house needs to jump on your feet, throw up your hands, and take about 30 seconds and let the sparrow out. Come on, young people. Where y'all at? Let the sparrow out. That canker worm can't hold me. James, that canker work can't stop me. Because I got the sparrow down on the inside of me. I got a song, I got a praise I got joy Unspeakable and full of glory Uh, I'm almost done Second is the Caterpillar Uh, Caterpillar eats the fruit Uh, Through the spirit's love, joy, peace Long-suffering Gentleness, meekness, goodness, faith Temperance eats up the fruit in your life. But here's the thing that gets me about the caterpillar. After he gets through eating you down to your core, just got an apple core left. That's it, just, just the core. When he eats me down to my core, he goes and wraps up in a little cocoon. And then when the cocoon opens, he's a butterfly. He just flies away. Now, now this may not be everybody, but I wonder how many's ever dealt with them caterpillar spirits that will just eat you alive. Just, just, just mooch on your joy and your peace and your love and your compassion. And in the moment you need them, they're spreading their pretty little wings. Oh, they're just flying away. And I used to get mad about that. I used to get upset about that. Cause I, I, I would preach for people and, and, and be there for them at the hospital and the funeral home. And then, and then when I needed them, they was nowhere to be found. And I, I watched them. They're just little butterfly wings fluttering away. And I, I used to get mad. I used to hold it against them. And then, and then it hit me when I read that the lifespan of the butterfly is only a fourth of that of the caterpillar so I got news for the devil fly while you can baby Every person that ate up my joy and ate up my peace and ate up my love, fly while you can, baby. Cause guess what? Hey, you ain't gonna fly long. The pleasures of sin only last a season. But guess what? You may eat me down to the core. But if I can get planted, Woo! I said, You may have ate me down to the core, but if I still got my core, I still got a seed. And if I can get planted, I may have just had one fruit a while ago, but I'm going to have a whole tree by the time I get done. Because greater is He that is in me than He that is in the world. Do I have a winner? Just high five somebody say, fly while you can, baby. Uh, Because I ain't done growing yet. I'm just getting planted, baby. I'm just getting started. As long as I got my core, you eat me alive, but I can still grow. Woo! I can still reach the heavens. Good God, heaven. That's good stuff. Y'all preach that sometime. Mm. Mm. Woo! Hallelujah. Uh, And. Uh, then you got the palmer worm. How I many I mean, heard of the palmer worm? You may know it more as the maggot the thing that waits till everything's dead and then it comes and eats the remains. And that just like the enemy, he gets you stuck he'll eat up your fruit and then he waits till you're spiritually dead and then just so you don't have a revival, you don't have a resurrection, he'll begin to eat what's left, what remains and leave you with nothing. See, that's why my favorite part of Lazarus getting risen from the dead is not that he was dead four days. It's not my favorite part. My favorite part is not that that he He had to float out of the tomb, basically because he was bound hand and foot, and that's awesome, that's wonderful. But my favorite part of Lazarus being raised from the dead was when they rolled a stone, Jesus said, "Lazarus, come forth." And the first thing that happened, and, and I don 't have no Bible explicitly to prove this, but this is my sermon, and this is why I believe it happened. So y'all just ride with me for a minute. But I don't believe that he breathed first. I don't believe that his heart beat first. I believe the first thing that happened was the palmer worm started getting a tummy ache. I believe that the palmer worm started getting sick and started having to cough up can I just be real? Puke up, throw up all the skin, all the fingernails. All if the eyeball, whatever he got, he had to throw up everything that he had eaten off of Lazarus, called Lazarus come out whole. He come out complete. So tonight I'm wondering, is there anybody ready to give the enemy acid reflux? Is there anybody ready to give the devil a stomach ache today and make him cough up your joy? cough up your money cough up your healing cough up your love cough up your marriage somebody in this house that's ready for the devil to cough it up get on your feet throw up your I don't know what's eating you this morning I don't know if it's the palmer worm or the canker worm or the caterpillar but whatever's eating you today they gonna cough up everything they've eaten everything they stole everything thing, they take it across this room, jump on your feet, throw up your hands and praise him, shout until the enemy got you good. You can just sit there and be cool. But if somebody's here, you got your royal apparel on. You got your church talk on. But they' something been eating at you on the inside. Get ready woo, for the enemy to cough up everything he's eating up and he stole. Oh, Throw up your hands all over this house. Whew. Tell the devil to cough it up. Begin to praise, begin to worship. Because here's the key. Here's the key. Herod Odie could have stopped the worms anytime. This is what messes me up, Justin. He could have stopped the worms anytime. If he would have just begun to give God the glory. Just begin to worship. Just be how many came to give God the glory today? I ain't talking about just a passive robotic praise but I'm talking about from your heart from your soul hallelujah I don't care how you look how you sound if the enemy's eating you alive on the inside today how many is going to say I'm going to bring this full circle this is the last straw you ain't getting another inch you ain't getting another nibble not getting another bite of my mind, my soul, my spirit. And I thought it had to be one of those three kind of worms. And then I, I messed up and I got a hold of this. As I come back to the music, I got a hold of this commentary that said that the worm that eat Herod alive was found in Proverbs chapter 30. The horse leech hath two daughters crying, give, give. Anybody's ever heard of a leech? A leech won't just eat you alive. It'll suck you dry. It sucks the blood. And the life of the flesh is in the what? It's in the blood. Suck your salvation dry. Because our salvation's what? In the blood. And there's times that I have got up running on empty, Odie. I looked the part on the outside, but... On the inside, I was eaten alive, and I was sucked dry. But I found out there's, there's a few ways that you get rid of a leech. Number one, you can burn it out. How many wants that fire of the Holy Ghost burning in your life? There's a special oil that can get it to loosen its hold. You can't just shake it off. How many is glad you got the oil of the anointing of the Holy Ghost? But the one that really got me, and this is the thing the leech hates the worst. Worms hate the worst. It's really got me. They are scared to death. They are so irritated by noise. They like it quiet. They like it peaceful. They like it calm. If you want to hang on to your worms, just be very, very quiet. Don't get too loud. Just be quiet at church. Just just whisper. Don't say nothing. If you want to hang on to your worms now, that's what you need to do. But if you're ready to get rid of your worms, what you can't shake off, you can't shake it off, but you can shout it out. <laughs> I found somebody say, shout it out. Shout it out. Shout it out. I wish somebody in this house that is ready to run every canker worm, palmer worm, leech, caterpillar out of New Town, out of our father's house, would lift your voice and begin to give God the glory. Do what Herod should have done. He could have stopped every worm in his body, in his tracks. If he would have just gave God the glory. Whatever's in you, it does not matter. If you'll give God the glory, if you'll open your mouth, if you'll begin to praise him, it will stop every worm. It's got to cough up everything that is stolen in Jesus' name. Woo! So this morning... As we all stand all over the building as they get ready to get ready to lead us into worship. I know it's getting late, y'all want to get to the restaurant. But today, today, if you at the last straw, something has been eating at you little by little. I don't know if it's a cake or worm, that you're stuck in a memory. Stuck in the past. I don't know if it's a caterpillar, people that's done you wrong and just fluttered off like a little butterfly. Ate you down to the core. I don't know if it's I don't know if it's the palmer worm that just eating what's left of you. I don't know if it's a leech that's just sucking you drive, your energy and your strength and your praise. But today. For whatever's eating you, won't you give God the glory? You can sit back there in your royal apparel. We at churchy talk like everything's cool, like everything's all right. Or this morning you can walk out free. Because if you want the chains to fall off, and that's what these worms are, it's a chain. If you want it to fall off like Peter, you got to rise up. you got to make your move. Are you ready to make your move? Is it the last straw? Are you ready? To get rid of whatever's eating you. I want you to get out of your seat right now. And I want you to move to this altar. Would you come if that's you as they get ready? As they get ready if that's you. If you're ready to be free. Come on, make your move. Don't worry about what time it is. Hallelujah. If you would like to know more about Our Father's House and upcoming events, log on to OurFathersHouseKY.org.